Hello there. Welcome to Rockin' the Difference, a podcast meant to share the experiences and information with those on their journey in the special needs world. I am your host, Chandra Neal, a mom of a young adult with special needs. My intent is to create a community where we can connect, be real, and share in the humor and the tears, challenges, and triumphs of what it's like traveling down this path that is so unique as a special needs parent. Together, we can encourage and support each other as we are all rocking the difference. Today, I have a special episode. I'm really excited to share with you three of the most awesome people in my life. These are women I have met and bonded with because we all have blind kids. We all get it. And although our stories are very unique from each other's, there's something special that connects us because we are all walking this path. And it is so much better when you can do it together. So we share information I hope you can relate with and maybe it will bring you comfort in knowing there are others out there going through this life, working through the struggles and appreciating the amazing things that we and our kids are capable of. This episode is a bit longer than my typical one, so relax and enjoy, and thank you for joining in. Yes, I'm excited to have my most amazing friends with me, Trisha, Ashley, and Parissa. Um, I first met Ashley in Gosh, Ryan's not here to give me the exact date, but it was uh, July of 2016 at Camp Bloomfield Family Camp, and it was a family camp in Malibu for families who had a family member who was blind, and Ashley came and introduced herself to me along with her daughter, and we got to talking for a bit, and then Trisha arrived, and Ashley sprung up to greet her, and they had met the year before at that same camp. That is that right? Yeah. The year before I can't be out. And then the following April, we were all signed up um, to go to this junior blind Olympics. And that's when Ashley brought in Parissa and Ashley and Parissa had known each other for many years prior to this. But um, once all four of us kind of met, we all kind of clicked and became the BBBs, mm-hmm. which is bonded by blindness. And We don't all live close enough to see each other too often, but we do make an effort to get together every few months or so and fill our souls and have talent shows and get tattoos and all the fun things that we do. So I am excited to have them here today and um, each of them kind of talk about their story and how they are involved in this world of blindness. So who wants to go first? Who would like to introduce themselves and how how your journey began? Ashley, I nominate you. Okay. <laughs> sure. Well, Ashley, uh, so I do, do I need to like give Audrey's like bio here? Okay, well, so when Audrey was born, everything was normal and beautiful. Even my pregnancy was really great. Um, it was wonderful. Everybody was just saying all kinds of negative things and it was just wonderful. And in her early months, her early month or two were, were, seemed very, very normal, but I started noticing 
something wasn't right. She wasn't smiling at me. I was like looking forward to all those, like those moments where we just gaze into each other's eyes and she would smile and she just didn't want to do that. And I mentioned it to my now ex-husband and I'm like, something's not right. He's like, Oh, you're overreacting. And then I went to JC Penny or something. Cause we had like a gift card to get our photos done. I dressed her up in her cave girl costume. It was Halloween. And the photographer who must've been like 20 years old, he's like, this is really unique. I can't like pretty much every baby I've ever seen uses a rattle. I use a rattle and the baby looks at me and smiles and your baby's not doing that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the JC Penny guy and I are on totally on the same page here. Something's not right. So we went to, um, long story short, we went to a doctor. He sent us to another doctor, he sent us to another doctor and, um, after about, you know, about when she was about three months old, we had a diagnosis of, uh, well, we didn't really have a diagnosis. We had, you know, she could have had like delayed onset uh, in her vision development, but they suspected that it was a genetic condition. So we had to get some gene testing done um, to confirm that, which took a couple of years. It seemed like it took forever. Prissa, you were, Prissa and I were in the same boat because our children have a similar uh, disorder, but basically we knew she wasn't seeing very much um, if anything, when she was about three months old, later on, uh, we found out that she had a condition called Leber's congenital amaurosis, um, which was confirmed through, um, gene tests, you know, genetic testing, but we found out she had a variant that also could carry kidney disease. Um, and we found out um, because of, because we knew that variant, we were able to monitor her for kidney disease, which she developed and has since had a kidney transplant. And she's doing really great with that now. But in addition to that, she's also neurodivergent. Like, um, when she was young, when she was little and Perissa knows this, cause when Audrey was a baby, she just would scream. And Perissa was sort of my, like, she was one of my like sources of comfort, um, and she, she really kind of helped me, um, when Audrey was a baby and I needed some support because, um, noise was super overwhelming for her. And that was basically an early sign of autism, which we found out when she was about four years old. So, so Audrey has a lot going on, you know, she, and we found out she's totally blind. She's autistic and she's a kidney transplant recipient. Um, and she's also super, she's also really funny and brilliant and she's just a complex wonderful human being um who i treasure more than anything in this life and it's just been a wonderful ride um we can all talk about this later but it's just been a a, a real journey of emotions and growth and um acceptance and um ultimately like real like happiness um and being the mom that i am with her um, and having the daughter that I have in her. So that's, I that's guess, beautiful. I don't know. Is that what you wanted me to, t to yes, say? Exactly. And how old is she now? Tell everyone She's 14 and she, oh. that's the first thing she tells everybody. Hi, I'm, if she even goes, to, if she even bothers to tell people her name, sometimes she goes straight through like, I'm a teenager. That's like <laughs> the first thing she wants people to know about her. She's 14. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah so that's Audrey. Love it. All right, Parissa, your turn. 
I should have made you go last. I don't want to go after that. It was so good and pretty no, and poignant. And I'm so all well. teary. Oh. Um, okay, so mine, I've got two. So I've got y'all beat. <laughs> a 19-year-old and a 15-year-old. And um, the older one is a boy, Brennan, and the younger one is a girl, Mina. Obviously, I had the boy first. Um, and very similar to Ashley, pregnancy was completely fine, normal. Um, I was just hormonal and angry and wanted to eat everything, but you know, nothing out of the ordinary. And then I, when I had him, he was fine. Everything was fine. Labor was fine. Delivery was fine. He was a very normal little boy, um, passed the vision screening at birth and, uh, took him home. Didn't think anything of it. And it was about when he was about two months old. Um, Honestly, in hindsight, knowing what I know now, I, I would have known a lot sooner. But, you know, it was my first child. I'd never met a blind person, never known any, never even thought about blindness. It didn't even come across my radar. But, like, he never made eye contact. And babies, that's what they do. They like to look at faces. and They like to watch your face. And he never looked at anyone's face. And he would just stare off to the left. And his eyes would do this thing. It's called the stagmus, where they would bounce up and down like cherries in the slot machine. And, um, you know, we just didn't really think much of it. Um, my husband at the time, ex-husband now, I, he would get up with him earlier, a little earlier in the morning and, and make breakfast. And uh, one day he came down and it was, the stairs were carpeted and he startled my son because my son didn't see him coming. And he made a comment like, you know, what is he blind? He never looks at me. And I got so pissed off. How dare you say that about my child? I snatched him away. But anyway, the seed was planted. So I took him to the pediatrician. And uh, we had a different pediatrician that day. It was this little Asian, this little stout lady, forget her name, but she came in. She was very serious. She looked at him for like three seconds and said, yeah, I think he's blind. Uh, you need to go see a specialist. And she left. So then I, you know, Good dissolved. Uh-huh. And uh, so that was the, yeah. So it was like your worst nightmare, right? Like, what What do you mean? Like, there's He can't see that what's wrong with my child. So then I went to a pediatric ophthalmologist and um, several doctors, but the first pediatric ophthalmologist took a look at his eyes and said, structurally, they're fine. And his optic nerves are just a little small and chances are he's got delayed visual maturation and uh, you, know, you just got to give him time and he needs glasses and then his eyesight's just going to kick in. So I left that eye doctor appointment, you know, kicking my heels, took him directly to the eyeglasses place, got him his first pair of glasses when he was like three months old. They were tiny and he looked like a little professor. That's what we called him. And then we just like waited for his vision to kick in. He's almost 20. It never kicked in. <laughs> so <laughs> still waiting. But um, so anyway, it took it took they didn't know what was wrong the first year of his life they couldn't diagnose it they thought that it was delayed visual maturation then they thought it was colobomas which means something didn't develop in utero but his structures were fine then they thought it was his brain so then we had to go see a neurologist and the neurologist kept referring to him as a she and i'm like dude if you can't figure out this is a boy i'm gonna trust you to make some kind of diagnose. it was just it was like it was like being a beach ball at a concert just being slapped around from doctor to doctor to diagnosis to diagnosis. And I remember somebody said, you just need to take him home and enjoy him. And I wish I could have. But when you're dealing with that kind of turmoil of not knowing what's wrong with your kid, it's really hard just to be able to relax into it. So anyway, it took them about a year. They finally gave us a diagnosis of Leber's congenital amaurosis, the same thing that AP has, Ashley's daughter. Um, but they didn't know what genetic mutation it was, so they weren't sure. 
and they were not able to give us a a, a genetic mutation for seven years. So we did not know. Um, all they said was that every child you have, it's an autosomal recessive mutation. So it's a 25% chance each pregnancy. So it took me another three years to kind of wrap my head around getting pregnant again. And I decided I wanted to do it because I didn't want Brennan to be alone. And uh, there's a lot of other reasons I'm not going to go into right now. Um, but so I had another child, got pregnant knowing there was a 25% chance, um, was actually able to relax during that pregnancy. And uh, she came out and she came into the world with her eyes shaking. And I remember my best friend at the time was, she came to see me at the hospital and she took her from me and she was, so I could see my best friend's face and not my daughter's face. And I saw her face and she was smiling. And then I saw her face fall. And I knew in that moment that my daughter was also blind. And so I saw them in the stag. Anyway, it was, it was a lot easier the second time around. The first time around, I was in a very dark place for about two years. Couldn't say the word blind, extremely depressed, just like, you know, all the feelings, the guilt and the so much guilt. It was my fault. I did something I drank before I knew I was pregnant. You know, I went to a wedding. It was, I had a cat, like all these things, right? And with my daughter, it was probably about three days of going into that dark hole before I was like, all right, well, it is what it is. Let's move on with it. So now they're almost 20 and 16 and um, they're amazing. They're awesome. They're both blind. They're hilarious. They're snarky. They are funny. They're witty. They can be assholes, <laughs> but um, I could not imagine my life any other way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I might be the first, you know, doctor, blind doctor, according to her. And I believe she it. will be. She will be. I have absolute faith in her. Yeah. I think it's going to be the first blind doctor in the States because we figured out that there is one in Europe. So she is a little bummed about that, but that's okay. <laughs> and Bernie could be like There's the female. first blind strip club owner. Owner? <laughs> Stripper? Yes. <laughs> we shall see what's in store for the two of them. All right, Trisha, you're up. One, that video of him. I show everyone that video of him with his strip club idea. <laughs> and, and the eye bill reader. Five dollars. One dollar. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you gotta go see it. So now you could tell us about your Abby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So hi, I'm Trisha and I have three daughters and they're 27, um, 25. And one, my youngest, Abby, who's blind will be 22. And my story is a little bit different. Um, we did not find out that Abby had a vision issue until she was 12 and she was having some health issues. We, kept taking her to the doctor. The health issues included like, um, you know, some like eye drainage, almost like she had pink eye or something, some, some sinus infections. They were treating us for giving us antibiotics for 10 months. And it wasn't until kind of toward the end of the 10 months that her teacher finally brought me a paper that she had wrote and said that and her writing was bad in it and said that she needed to go to 
um, a special education class and that she was racing through all of her work and that, you know, maybe that something was wrong with her developmentally, which I knew was not because Abby was highly intelligent. And uh, at the end of the 10 months of going to the doctor, they decided to do an MRI where they found a tumor in her brain that was the size of a plum. And it was pressing on her optic nerves at the base of the brain, pituitary. Am I cutting out? <laughs> um, it was, it was, uh, it was a very large tumor. And we live in a really small town and she actually had this MRI inside a trailer that kind of had this scissor lift that lifted her up. And um, it was just kind of this weird experience. It was supposed to be an hour. They ended up three hours of MRI with contrast, trying to find out the size of this tumor and whereabout and what it was affecting. And that same day, <clears throat> um, she was rushed to children's hospital and they decided to, at this point, she still had some vision, um, but she had gone completely blind in her left eye. And of course, along with that was so much guilt, so much pain. Like, how did I let it get this far? How, how did I not know this before? How did I, you know, how did I let this happen? How did I let my child get so sick? And I didn't know. And um, she... We, she was diagnosed with pro, a prolactinoma and sent home on uh, multiple forms of oral chemo. And from that, we saw neurologists, um, pediatric neuro-ophthalmologists, uh, endocrinologists, um, and brain surgeons on how to remove this tumor. And at that time, they decided they were going to wait for it to shrink to 50%. And then they would try to resect part of it because it was in such a, a particular place in her brain that it would have been uh, very life-threatening to have the surgery immediately. So our family went on a big vacation because we were like, okay, well, let's you know go have some fun. We went to Hawaii. I was there for we were there for about a week or two and her vision started rapidly decrease to the point where uh, she really didn't have any functional vision. She was not using a cane at the time or anything like that. Um, we flew home. She had uh, brain surgery July of 2014 and they resected part of the tumor. And basically the surgery caused the optic nerves to atrophy. And um, she has some vision, uh, 3% vision. I think that's what like a lot of people don't know, you know, obviously is that vision or blindness is like a spectrum. And so she has a small amount of vision in her left eye post nasally post post nasally i don't know how to say it and um she's now 
22. It was 10 years ago. And she's completely tumor free as of two months ago. And, and yes. And um, she's amazing, intelligent. She went, you know, graduated high school with honors. She's going to the uni- university to be a chemist. Wow. And, and I think I just want to share our biggest struggle, like for anyone out there is, was just the IEPs and like adaptive education is what we struggled with because she, she wasn't blind. So I didn't from the beginning and I didn't really know how to navigate that. Like Perissa was saying, I never knew anyone blind. I, I don't think I've ever had seen anyone blind. You know, I watched the Val Kilmer movie with Marissa Tomei. That was like the only one <laughs> I had ever even heard of. So, yeah, that that well, and that was such a hard time in her life. I I would think at twelve years old, you know, you're in middle school just your body's changing. So many things are changing. Your friendships are evolving. You know, you're going through so much just at that age without having to deal with that whole other aspect, which not only impacted her eyesight, but impacted her hormones and how her body was reacting even on a hypered level compared to a regular, you know, preteen teenager going through something like that. And like you said, her not being blind since birth, it's a huge learning curve, not only for you, but for her to, you know, do I learn Braille? Do I just do audio? Like all these kind of things, um, how to adapt your whole life at this point, you know, when you grew up with sight. Yes, absolutely. And luckily Abby had, because she was always such a self learner, she was very eager to use the cane, which a lot of the mobility specialists were like impressed, like, oh, now no 12 year old ever wants to like, you know, use start using a cane. And, but Abby did, and she was very eager to learn Braille because it was like, you know, a new language, even though the schools don't consider that a second language, which I would love to change. Yeah, you're big. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, um, they and, and so that part of it was kind of an interesting thing for her you know it it gained her interest but i know a lot of children like it wouldn't and sh- you know it wouldn't be be as uh i can't find the word but you know she really took to it because she wanted to mm-hmm. Smart. She was worried about not being smart. She was worried about not being successful and not, you know, being able to engage with everyone. And it did. It, it did affect her social life very much so to the point where I had, you know, a very dear friend come to me and say, I'm sorry, we can't hang out with you. And Abby can't, you know, play with my daughter anymore because my daughter's just too worried that she's going to catch a brain tumor you know, like it was contagious and that she's going to go blind. So there was, so I, I lost, we, you know, she lost a lot of friends in turn. I lost a lot of community, but you know, when we found each other and when you find this community of visually impaired people, 
it, it changes your whole world. It goes from dark to light. And all of a sudden, all those, you don't have to guess who are your angels and who are your devils in your life anymore. You know, you know, right away. And some people live their whole lives and I'll say this and they, and they never know, you know, neurotypical people and, or are they neurotypical? I don't know, but we're, we're blessed. We know who our angels are. All of you guys. I don't know I being an angel, but. You know, what's funny is I know all of your stories and I'm like emotional right now, listening to them, even though I know them. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh, even though this isn't like it's new, but anyway. Well, I think it rekindles just, you know, that first trauma of going through, you know, whether you started at the beginning or started at age 12 or whatever it is, it's, it's a trauma that you go through. Yeah. But more so it's the fact that we're talking to it with each other. Cause I, I, I do this spiel with like a, you know, in front of a classic Cal State LA every year and I've done it every year and I don't get emotional every year. I'm getting emotional now. Cause it's with you guys. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're my people. Well, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit too, Parissa, because is it because of your kids that you kind of pursued this avenue that you've pursued? And if you wanted to expand on what you do. With- oh, 100%. Yeah. So after I had Mina, um, she was 18 months old. And then I, at that point, had had a master's. I, I, I got my master's when I was pregnant with Brennan. I finished it. And it was in communication. I was going to be a writer. I was going to take the world by storm as a journalist. And um, I had Brennan my my finals week of finals week in my master's program. In fact, I had him on a Tuesday. And one of the professors still made me take my final on a Thursday, which thanks a lot. But anyway, so I, like, I, I had this whole plan for my life, which, you know, never works out. Um, so... I was privileged that I got to stay home with the kids because my ex worked. And um, when I had Mina, she was 18 months old and we had a teacher for the visually impaired at the house. And I was asking her questions like, how did you get into this line of work? Cause you know, when you have a, a special needs infant, um, there's a slew of specialists who then come into your home and work. And it's a wonderful thing. Like, thank God for it. Cause they were my lifelines back then. Cause I didn't know anyone who, you know, I didn't know you guys then. Right. I didn't know anything. So anyway, she was in my home she was working with me and I was asking her questions about how did you get into this? And she told me about the, there's a credential program at Cal state LA. And it was like an Oprah aha moment of like, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And so that day after she left, I called Cal state LA. I got a hold of the department chair. Um, I, you know, enrolled for the next semester and I went back to school and got my credential to be, to be a teacher for the blind. I ended up teaching in that same program, like teaching future teachers, so I did two jobs for a while. My marriage failed. Um, I you know, worked two jobs. So I was a teacher for the visually impaired. And then I taught teachers, upcoming teachers for the visually impaired. So my life was completely consumed with blind. I went home. I raised blind kids. I went to work. I worked with blind kids. I you know, worked at night teaching teachers of blind kids. So yeah, it definitely shaped my world. So mm-hmm. it's good. Well, you've been a, a resource for all of us too. So that's been awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a good gig. It's completely changed and shaped who I am. And I always tell parents that um, you will never teach your kids as much as they teach you, which is why I'm kind of cracking up right now that I'm getting emotional 
because I do this every day, all day long, talk to families, talk to people, talk, and I don't. And it's because I'm here with you guys because I know you and I know your children. And oh, it's going to make me cry. And we went so without things to talk. But, I mean, in <laughs> ways, but like, it's the same thing. It's the same, like, you know, process, you know, that you go through of grief. You know, it starts out as grief um, and it ends up, well, I don't know if it's, it hasn't ended up yet, right? <laughs> We're still in it, but there's just like so much more joy. And like, um, I feel like connectedness, you guys were a huge part of that. Like, um, because you're right, there's a well of grief that you go through and it was just, it's been really essential to, to find you guys and to have you as part of my life, because I don't know what I would be like or who I would be without you. You know, you guys are, there aren't very many people who understand. I mean, there's people who, you know, lots of people who have children with disabilities and in a lot of way, I understand what they've gone through because I've gone through a, a lot of that stuff. But like the vision impairment piece is something very few people understand. Uh, you know, we're in just how unique all of us are within that. Like you're kind of alone, but together like it's but it's just been it was really um important to me having felt so lonely in the process or experience of being a parent um to find you guys um my life is has been enriched like immeasurably because of all of you and i think a lot of what you're saying you're cracking up you're getting emotional it's because We've been through, you know, you're, you're the students that you talk about, talk to, they haven't been through that, the, the things that we have. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it, we, we empathize for each other, you know, with each other. <sighs> and it's also cool to see how, you know, it continues to take a life of its own because we're still not done being parents of our, our very unique children. And they, they're going through their trial their life trials and tribulations and, you know, their successes and their hardships and everything. And we're still going through, but it's just so great to have like people along to like share stories with and laugh and cry and, and all we that. Go through that journey. Cause they're, you know, like you said, they are growing up. So as they grow up, we find kind of one thing might seem easier and then something else gets harder. Like I always thought, Oh, raising Ryan when he was younger, would be so hard. And it was because he was an asshole at points. But, and then as he got a little bit more older and understood things better, I could talk to him and reason with him more. But now that he's getting older too, I feel like that's another, it's another new, um, especially because he's neurodivergent. And so, you know, it's like, what does his adulthood look like? And it's a whole new series of questions like, well, what is his life going to look like after he's out of this protective bubble of the school system? Because he'll be in school until he's 22. So it's just kind of going through that with all of you and having, you know, that community as things evolve and you wonder what's next. Mm -hmm. And then that whole grief thing, like you were saying, I think that kind of goes in a, in waves too, because you have that, you know, grief when you first kind of have the diagnosis, but then there's different things that happen throughout their development that triggers something that you're dealing with, whether it's, you know, what you wish they would have been doing at this time or, 
you know, whatever difficulty it is, and you try not to compare or do anything, but it's hard to go through life and not have some sort of comparison with somebody else's regular kid or another blind kid doing something that you wish your kid was doing, whatever it might be. But then you yeah. also take those moments to kind of realize how amazing they all are. You know, Abby's out there riding her skateboard around. With her. Yeah, I to mention the thing about comparing it for me, so I have two children that are, you know, have vision and we live in the small town and you are either in one district or the other. And we're four miles from one high school and they took my typical children. But when Abby became of high school age and I wanted her to be four miles from our house and be able to work at the humane society, like her sisters did and, you know, get a job in town and all this stuff the school district refused to accept her. And so, you know, it's, it, it was just in that, that's a whole nother subject, but just in that I was, was so hard for me to accept. Like I just wanted her to be just like her sisters and have the same experiences. And, and she didn't, she ended up having a completely different experience and it was just as great, probably better. Um, but yeah, once you, you know, just let it be, there's certain things you have in this dynamic where you have to just let it be. Because for me, I was in such like a warrior position of like, I will fight you to the death, to the nail for my child to have the same experiences. And, you know, you have to let it go at certain times so you can save your sanity and also, you know, not commit homicide as well. What I think too is kind of releasing because it's not something you're familiar with. So you don't know if it's going to be a good experience for them or not. And it's hard to kind of, because all you know is what you've done before of what gone through before or what you experienced yourself. And you maybe want that for your kid. And so when you're going through these, things with your kid that you don't have any kind of, you know, information behind or experience with, it's kind of hard to like accept it or know that it's going to be okay. And like you said, turn out better for her. And then you get, you know, kind of defensive because you think, why are you, you know, treating my other kid differently? You know, if you don't want them to be treated differently. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what else did I want to have you guys share with me or share with our people? And you guys have shared some of these, but I I want all of you to kind of touch on some of the amazing things that your kids do. So I know um, (laughs) because you have all, you know, kids that just have great talents and great just personalities and contributions to life. And I think it's important to kind of highlight what our kids can do and how they can impact. Are you getting emotional now? <laughs> you know what it is, my friend? I was thinking about it. I think it's because this, like, you guys are my family. It's going to make me cry. God, what is wrong with me? You guys are my family. Like, this is the place where I feel the most secure and comfortable in myself, more so than with any other friend. This is going to sound funny. It's so ironic. I feel seen. 
<laughs> I feel seen. But anyway, uh, all right. So the, what's amazing about the kids? Actually, what isn't amazing about the kids? I mean, they're all hilarious and awesome in their own unique selves. I mean, vision impairment, autism, neurodivergence aside, they're just cool. They're, they're just kids. But uh, in regard to my two, um, how do you even start? First of all, they're both smarter than I am, <laughs> like by far. And they're witty. Like they, yes, huh? I can. While we're here, what'd you say, Ash? Do a plug for Yes, I Can. I know I wanted to oh. say that. Oh, yeah. because um, uh, people could see for themselves how um, how much smarter your kids are than you. Yeah. Yeah, so if you go to Instagram and go to Yes I Kane, Parissa has a handle on there and has some amazing content to kind of showcase the lives of her kids and what they go through in their day-to-day -day lives and they can share their perspective. It's pretty awesome. And their personalities, they're very yeah. unique. Yes. <laughs> well, and Mina like tutors Ukrainian students on English or something. I mean Oh, she's always she picked that up on her own. It was nothing that I instigated, knew about. She just one day said she's going to start tutoring Ukrainian students. And so she did. <laughs> but I, she had to actually let it go because of the classes she took last year. Ugh. She takes like, I'm talking classes that I never took because I dropped out. But <laughs> she didn't mean like <laughs> Algebra 2 honors trig, like Model United Nations, English honor, everything honors AP, whatever. Just she's insane. She does swim. She does everything. She's brilliant. Um, my son is equally brilliant, not so much into academics. <laughs> he would much prefer to spend his time in his closet making rap music, but you know, he's on his own journey <laughs> with his own gifts to share. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll go next. I can talk about Audrey, but really what, what this makes, you know, our kids are all great and everything. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I dare to say it's because we're we are great. We are. And I mean, like, and I mean, I'm like seriously like struggling a lot of the times. But like, um, last time I came up to see you guys in uh, or Chandra and Parissa, I was like mentally ill, like it was bad. But like the the th life can sw could swallow you like no matter what. And I feel like even though we've gone through some pretty significant, I mean, there's some significant challenges in being the parents that we are. It it's, it's tough to be a parent period. And then you add on like, um, just things and it's just tough, but like we do crazy things with our kids. We have fun with our kids. We celebrate our kids. We love them. And, Love them for the unique people they are. I mean, my Audrey's best friends are rocks. And that's great. <laughs> I like, she knows, like, she has, like, 250 best friends. And she knows exactly, <laughs> like, they all have names. And she knows, remembers exactly where she met them and became best friends with them. And then she's like, okay. And, like, in times when I've tried to, like, get her to branch out, like, try to make her more amazing or, or I guess like try to like help her grow more. It's been a lot of the times like things that I'm pushing on her. Like I'm like, Oh, we need to work on social skills. So like um, let's do the girl scouts. And that turned out to be like a really stressful thing because we didn't really enjoy it. And really what she wanted to do was swim because socializing all the time is really hard for her. Cause she does it all day. 
and, and I needed to just pay attention to her. So I feel like that's been a huge key to me bringing out the best, helping her bring out the best in herself is what is it that she wants? She's happy. She feels fulfilled having 250 best friends as rocks. She has human friends too, but her, and, and she has friends that she feels like she has friends at school. Um, she has all of you as friends. She's friends with generally people who are above 40 mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, but I just feel like, okay, she's like, will sort of high, 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 as long as she's happy. Um, I need to stop putting my values and what I want for her, um, out there and really pay more attention to what she values and what she wants. And I feel like through that, I've really been able to help her be her best self. Like she is a rock expert because of all that. And (laughs) she wants to, you know, she's a fruit expert and she just loves to, you know, I I don't know. She loves theater. She loves playing piano and music and dance doing um, duets with Ryan which we're working on, by the way, Islands in the Stream, right? Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton. Yeah, so I guess all this to say, like, we have all, like, grown us through this process, too. Like, we learn more. We learn more for them, from them than they, they learn from us, really. And um, I feel like just sort of stepping back and, like, watching has really helped me, like, sort of help her bring out the best in herself. So that was a big circle, but well, well, that's awesome. You there you go. AP and her rocks <laughs> and she <laughs> carries them time. around in her fanny pack. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She's got yeah. her fanny pack loaded. <laughs> she sleeps with them. <laughs> yeah, she does. She sleeps with them. When I, think with I told her she too. can only bring, I told her she can only bring three of them to Georgia when we went and um, she did. <laughs> she brought three. And for all purposes, they're they're very calming and reassuring. And then every time we go to Georgia, we get a load of new rocks that people have gotten for her in the process. Oh, no. We end up packing like we have to like check an extra bag on the way home <laughs> every time. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, I think you kind of hit on Abby's some of Abby's strengths and maybe you can add to that, but just like how, you know, she took on, you know, this diagnosis and kind of embraced it in the sense that she wanted to learn how to use a cane and learn Braille and all the stuff where she could have. And I'm not saying that it was all, I know it was definitely difficult and you had a lot of struggles with her with, you know, just emotional things and the other things going on with her, but you know, that strength and that resilience of wanting to at least, be able to be a functional blind person and not go into this. Well, I'm not going to learn any of this. And this is ridiculous. You know, as much as she probably did go through her depression and her frustrations, just like anybody would do when something major like that changes in your life, but, you know, kind of shows her resilience. Yeah, absolutely. I think once, you know, um, it's weird because just like, you guys were talking about when your children, you know, they're kind of, they kind of shoo you off if it's blindness because, you know, blindness doesn't kill you, right? Just, you're just blind. It doesn't really, you know, so when we left the hospital, it was like, okay, you know, 
here's all the medicine for this situation and nothing for the blindness. And so, you know, having to seek that out was really difficult and all of the other things that are entailed in that and mobility specialists and, and so all the things that Abby had enjoyed before losing her vision, um, it took about two, three years before she started to embrace those things again. And one of them was skateboarding. And so, you know, now she is in New York city skateboarding with her sisters, you know, through New York city and navigating that. And I mean, I, I'm just watching it through Instagram going, Oh my God, is the kid gonna, you know, whatever, what's going to happen to her. But, you know, she's figured out a way, she figured out a way to ride a bicycle again, because she loved riding this bicycle and, you know, having the wind in her hair and the freedom of that. And there were some scary times. There would be times where she'd have this giant tantrum and hop on this bicycle and take off down the street. And I would just have to let her go. And I'd just get in my car and kind of follow her and, you know, challenges like that. But, you know, through that, she's, you know, takes the bus on her own to the gym, takes, you know, is really showing a lot of independence and and now that she's at a university where in the beginning of this year we really struggled with adaptive this is a university they had no adaptive equipment in the computer science room they had no program on the computer it was they had an area with a computer that said with a handicap sign you know but so she sat before a board with the dean and I sat behind the computer and she sat in front of it and I watched her advocate for herself and it was so powerful and it was so amazing to see that this progress that she made, I mean, even if she wasn't blind, mm -hmm. I you know, would be so amazed because at 21, I couldn't speak up like that for myself you know I, I didn't I didn't have the language I didn't have the whatever and here I'm watching this you know my baby <laughs> my baby yeah. you know let these adult people know listen you're dropping the ball here and these people they drop the ball all the time and we've raised these children as snarky as Parissa's Mina and Brennan <laughs> love it. And, you know, and Biscuit and, and AP. And I mean, our kids, I think outshine, sorry, I'm neurotypical children by a thousand times because they've had to use their voice and they've had to use this in a way that, they can move through life without vision, but, you know, with their own vision of what they want for themselves and not what everybody else wants to put on them. And they're just all such unique, wonderful children. And I mean, I know Ashley's a teacher. I was a teacher. We've seen a lot of kids. We've seen a lot of families. I mean, I think our kids are really, really special. And I think as parents, we, we really got together because 
there's something in the blind community where there's a, a kind of a helicopter effect. These parents tend to, you know, hover over their children and they're terrified. We were all in that space, but I think we found each other and we said, Hey, l- I, I want to bring this story up. Um, the, one of the first times um, you came to visit Chandra, this is before we met Parissa and Biscuit was sitting on the couch and he had his balls and he was, you know, juggling him around. And I think we had some other kids come over and kind of sit with him and Biscuit started to engage. And I think it was kind of like a moment for you. I don't know. I just kind of remember this. I don't know if you do. And we had like a drum circle. It was just awesome because you had a bunch of people in your community because you're really close to a lot of the people in your community come around. And I think since they were around Abby, it was like no big deal for them to be around Biscuit and AP. And I like just kind of like let them be a part of their in what they were doing. Cause I think so many times when we go places, the regular kids do their thing and my kid will sit over here on the side and do his own. Uh-huh. So to be in a a powwow with all these people that included him. Yeah. Yes. And it was also with, um, two, yeah, Ben and Henry who are, um, neurodivergent as well and, but are, you know, have vision and everybody just kind of clicked and everybody was hanging out and, and there was just that really strong connection of like, you know, letting go and just letting them do their thing and not, you know, interfere or, Oh, are you having, are you guys having fun? Is everything going good? You know, we kind of just let our kids go balls to the walls. And that's what I think is different about us. <laughs> Literally balls to the walls. <laughs> <laughs> we need a reunion. Oh. I brought up one thing that I wanted to talk about. Um that you recently brought up, Trisha, about going to the zoo. So I wanted you to maybe talk about your zoo experience and then maybe Parissa also talk about how when people come up to your kids on the street and want to pray for them and do all these things and just how you reacted and how they reacted, but then also maybe tips. And and this could come from all of us. I'd like to kind of talk about advice we might have for parents who have a blind kid and just as far as the attitude you can have towards people that ask you questions and stuff like that. But then also in a way to talk to other people outside of the blind world that might be curious and what's the best way for them to approach your kid or ask questions without, you know, you feeling like your kid's a circus freak or that something's wrong with them. I think that's the biggest thing is people come with this angle that something's wrong with them versus maybe just something's different. No. Yeah. Abby went to the zoo, the like, Christmas. Um, it's called the lights of something, uh, the Christmas lights at the zoo. But it was very interactive and it had like lots of tactile things and tactile um, animals. And just, you know, she was just having a great time. She's, you know, 21 years old and, you know, very typical in that sense. And wanting to do her thing, you know, and, um, this woman has a three-year-old or so the three-year-old really wasn't even paying attention to Abby and keep in mind, it's like kind of dark anyways, cause the lights are on and this woman's, you know, she stops Abby and it was just very, 
I don't even have a word for it. It was a brood. It stops Abby and then great and stuff brings her child over and says, uh, I want see this woman here with this this stick. And that, you know, that's Abby. You do not call it a stick. You see this woman with a stick? You see this one? You know why this woman uses a stick? And she's like talking at Abby with this three-year-old. The three-year-old is showing no interest at all. And she begins to go on and on. And then at the end of it, she says, Abby, or, you know, she didn't even introduce herself. She doesn't say, what's your name? She says, I'm sorry I stopped you. As I'm assuming Abby was making a very nasty face at her. But I needed to use this as a, this was a teaching moment for my child. And Abby felt, first of all, like she was an exhibit at the zoo, which was one of the first things she said. And second of all, it, you know, interrupted her time. Abby's not there to give teaching moments to people. So that was Abby's experience. We've had, we've had tons of experiences. I mean, I think when young children yell across a restaurant at Abby, like, cool stick, you know, like that's better than a parent in their face, you know, because little children are going to ask questions if they're curious. They just are. Yeah. So I, I didn't know even how to like deal with it. I just was so blown away because it was my first time where it was really just. Well, I think too, when the first time this happens, it's hard to know, you know, it's when I, well, at least with me, I feel like if something like that were to happen, then you stew on it and you think about, Oh, I wish I said this, or I wish I reacted this way, but this might be something to where if something like this happens again, then maybe she will know from experience what's happened and how she wants to respond. Because like, like you said, she is a great advocate for herself. She probably was yeah. just kind of taken aback and, you know, having a nice, respectful way to not be a complete asshole to the person, but also be, um, you know, honest and say, I need to, I'm enjoying my time with my friends. I'm going to leave now or whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. you can respond really any way you wanted to, but um, I think those are the things, at least how I learn is when something like that happens, I feel like I don't know how to react in the immediate moment. You kind of think about it and you talk about it with somebody and then you go back if it happens again with some ammo to know. How yeah, to uh, no, sure. And I think when Abby first started with the blind, the junior blind at Braille Institute, she was very like, mom, blind people are very direct. And now she is that blind person that is being very direct and yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And you've had multiple experiences, Parissa, I feel, at least I feel like I hear it a lot from your kids as far as people coming up to them and yeah. people come up to them um, and touch them and say that they want to pray for them. We've had people chase us down the street and like when we're out walking the dogs and one one crazy lady came running up and needed to put her hands on Brennan. And at that point he was an, an adult and we were all just kind of like, okay. And I was like, all right, like I'll let him deal with it. And he was like, okay. And so she put her hands on his head and she spoke in some weird sound like tongues. And then, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure she was nuts, but she like, at the end of it, she stepped back and she said, well, like, can you see? And he pretended like he was looking around and he's like, nope, still blind. So, I mean, there's, 
So people <laughs> genuinely think like they, they're going to pray the blind away, you know, and it's, uh, I don't know. I, it's hard. I raised the kids. I've always told them since they were little that they're the ambassadors of blindness and that a lot of times people we come across have never met a blind person just like I never had. And they, even if they've been exposed to blindness, maybe through like the television or movies, they've probably never seen blind kids. And so it's our job to kind of educate, which is part of the reason why we did the Instagram. But so I've always raised them to be like that. But at the same time, I want them to be able to understand that they don't necessarily have to be the ambassadors in, in a particular moment if they don't want to be, you know what I mean? Sometimes like me as a mom, if people are staring, I'll get annoyed. If someone comes up to me and asks me a question, I'll answer it. But like to have someone stare my immediate response is, what are you looking at? You know what I mean? So I have a hard time being an ambassador of blindness. Sometimes it's, you just <laughs> want to live your life without being in the snow globe and have everyone staring in at you. So I get that. So it's, it's a fine line, right? Like you want to educate, but at the same time, you don't want to be stared at like an exhibit at the zoo. Um, where am I going with this? What's the question? What am I answering? Well, I guess <laughs> just how you react to that and, or how your kids react to that. And, you know, I was saying, you know, I don't, I don't know if Audrey has a lot of things like that happen to her, but I don't feel I get a lot of that with Ryan just because I think Ryan if we're walking around or standing around, he's rocking. He's, you know, always rocking. And so I think people can tell he has autism. And so they don't maybe approach as much as the neurotypical kids with like Brennan and Mina and Abby, where they feel they can uh, talk to them because, you know, they seem regular blind. I don't know, for lack of a better term, but. Um, I guess I would like advice to give to other families would be to give yourself a lot of grace in the moment. Sometimes you're going to feel like you want to educate and you want to explain and you want to teach. And other times maybe you're not and both are fine. And if you don't want someone to pray for your child, that's okay. If you do want someone to pray for your child and you're okay with that, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like whatever your feelings are, they're valid. And just to give yourself a lot of grace and people genuinely don't know, like they're not exposed to blind kids. They are not familiar with it. And usually for the most part, they're curious and they're well-intentioned. So I try to keep that in mind. Yeah. I guess the only thing I could add on to it is that, you know, in a way it is our job to educate because, um, we have to change the world for our kids, you know, and our kids have to learn how to educate other people. I mean, I really wish that people would take it upon themselves to educate themselves, you know, but, you know, for example, we were in the airport the other day and the way that I booked my ticket was through special. It, I booked it with miles and I mentioned that my daughter was blind on the phone. So they booked special assistance. So we had to, we couldn't do the gate, the curbside check-in for a bag. We had to go to the special assistance, which was basically wheel. They 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 feel like we need a wheelchair, <laughs> yeah. and the assistance that we need is not a wheelchair. But we do need special assistance going through an airport with large numbers of bags and a child on on our arm and rocks. And so, <laughs> me walking in there with my daughter. Um, and trying to talk with the special assistance guy, he's like, you're going to need to check your bag. I'm like, I know, but like, could you just check my bag? Like, this is the special assistance that I need. I do not need an employee of the airport to assist my daughter through the airport. First of all, she can walk and I want her to walk. She wants to walk. It's like, 
we shouldn't require blind people to have to get in a wheelchair to go through special assistance, you know, to go through like that. Um, it should be based on what that person needs. And so I had to explain to this guy that like, it would be nice if he could check my bag and that I didn't, and I needed my boarding pass because I couldn't get my boarding pass the regular way. Um, but she did not need a wheelchair. But I think a lot of blind people go through airports, especially like blind people traveling independently do that. Some people want to do that. That's fine. But also in the line, there was a girl who was, I'm assuming it was autistic, and she had a, a, a panic attack because of the one-size-fits-all way that people get herded through the airport. And her special assistance need was to really not be in a like clusterfuck of a line. You know, but still she was required to like wait in that line. So I feel like we do have to talk to people about like what we need. It's not a one size fits all need. We're all very diverse. We're all very different. It looks different for everybody. We're going to respond different. Also, we're human and we're going to respond differently depending on our mood and our capacities and things like that. But, you know, there's just a lot of work to be done because, because a lot of people don't talk to us, you know, they just. They talk around us, afraid to talk to us. I feel like um, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of good intention, but a lot of ignorance still. People and, automatically uh, assume too. They assume that if you can't see, that you're dumb. Yeah, or they like, they or that you can't hear too. Yes, they speak louder. <laughs> or they and like sign language. Or that you speak <laughs> silent. Yeah, well, that yeah. Anyway, all, like I feel like I I just am so ADHD myself, like truly am that I talk in circles, but hopefully I made some sense with something I was just saying as you I was did. rambling on. <laughs> perfect sense. Mm -hmm. No, I, that's one of the thing that irks me is like when we're out in the world and people talk to, to my children through me, does yes. she want this? I'm like, well, she's standing right here. <laughs> Why don't you ask her? You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. So. Well then the airport guy, this is back to the airport guy. Cause he irked me. He looks over at her after I'm like pleading with him. I'm like, this is, you know, I need my boarding pass. And he looks over at her finally realizing, oh, I can see why this is kind of hard. I mean, I'm keeping it calm. I'm like, well, it's hard for me to walk through the airport, blah, blah, blah. And he finally like registers like, oh, and then he goes, Merry Christmas. It's on me. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's not on you. <laughs> this is like Americans with Disabilities Act, dude. Like. Like he's doing you, you just do me a favor. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I hear I am ranting again. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I think yeah. that's funny too, because I've, I've gone through the airport with Ryan and it's, yeah, they bring out the wheelchair thinking like it's a one that like, Oh, you need special assistance means you need a wheelchair. And it's no, I don't. It's just, I cannot carry a Buffalo on my back and, <laughs> and backpacks and try to navigate gracefully through the airport. You know, and um, yeah, getting yeah. to understand how to help that situation. Fun stuff. I'm great at taking us all on like huge tangents. <laughs> you guys need to go with you. <laughs> I have an appointment at three. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, you're late for it. I know. Okay. No, okay. I think I think this is great. Um, but thank you all for being here and thank you, Trisha, for being here. And if you can go and Yeah, I'll go and let you guys continue. And I hope I was able to share enough because uh, you know, my ADHD is bumping too. 
<laughs> but I like to talk in cobwebs. So boing, 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 boing. Just bounce it all around. Okay, guys. I love you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Love you, friend. Thank you. Miss you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was the four of us being real about our experiences. And thank you, Ashley, Trisha, and Parissa for being my first guests. I love you and I'm so grateful for you. And thank you to the rest of you for listening today. If you have any comments or questions, you can DM me on Instagram at rockin underscore the underscore difference or email me at rockinthedifference at gmail.com. Until next time, keep rocking the difference.